Hello, everyone. Welcome to the eTech Leadership Table, a podcast where we invite you to pull up a chair, grab a cup of coffee, and join us as we tackle some remarkable discussions on everything leadership. I'm Melissa Wood, your host, the Dean of Leadership Development at eTech Global Services. Our topic at the table today is everything security. So today we're going to tackle the question, how do we ensure data privacy and data security in contact centers? So everybody that's got a security mind, everybody that um, is in a security mindset, you'll want to be sitting at the table today because I have an expert in the field. And when I say expert in the field, we have our very own Ronnie Mize. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Melissa. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. So, so, so I'm, I'm sitting here too. Who, who's the expert? You are. So you never wait for somebody to give you the topic. Oh, oh me. Okay. Yeah. You're the expert. So you better pull up to the table because we're going to have some healthy discussions on everything security. And you know, Rob, I know this is probably not in our topic today, but I want to slide it in there somewhere. I've been getting tons of these spam messages on my cell phone. So I need to talk to you about that at the table too. Oh, absolutely. You're going to places you shouldn't go. Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. So, well, I guess you probably could say that because I've been looking at your bio here and I just know you uh, personally, but uh, just for our listeners out there, I want you, to, want you to know who's sitting at the table with us. When I say expert, this is why. Ronnie has been in the technology sector for over 25 years. He's held technology roles with Microtech America, the Berry Company, which is part of what was part of Bell South, a spinoff, and eTag. Um, his background includes extensive, that's why I say experience, uh, expert, extensive experience in technology development and deployment, as well as implementation, the business process and defined mythology. He's formed a network of technology consulting firm in 1994, which he eventually spun off before becoming a member. And we are so happy he became a member at eTech. So he's been here at eTech since 1999. And most, um, he served in various roles in our technology department, security department, was uh, previously our VP, but now he he serves in two very critical roles within our company. He's our chief security officer, which we'll talk about a lot today uh, on the topic of security, but he also serves as our chief technology officer. And I believe those two intertwine that helps him to even protect our company even more. Uh, and give us strategic vision. So, Ronnie, thank you for for being at the table. I want our, our listeners. I know they they can. We opened up the window a little bit and let them see you uh, professionally. But I want to let you guys know a little bit uh, personally about Ronnie. He's got a great sense of humor. Um, he uh, he and I have sat before and laughed over Sasquatch hunting, and that'll be a different podcast you'll have to attend, right, Ronnie? Yeah, absolutely. So, have you seen any lately? I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen any, but you know, I want to save my sightings for a different podcast because that, that'll be a whole different audience. Maybe some of these people listening today under security are also fellow Sasquatch hunters like myself, but Ronnie got me this awesome shirt. I absolutely love it and I wear it. So I just want to thank you again for my awesome shirt. I love it. Absolutely. Anytime. Um, Ronnie um, serves, um, as the advisory on the committee for Angelina College in his spare time, when he has spare time. Well, Ronnie, thank you for sitting at the table today. We're gonna talk about data security in the contact center world. And I have just a few questions for you. And I'm just gonna just get this ball rolling at the table. First question, 
What are the current top three challenges that contact centers are facing in terms of data, privacy, and security? Oh, okay. Uh, did you say top three or top 300? Three, Ronnie, three. Okay. <laughs> podcast listeners they're trying to travel they're they are wanting the the top three it's like get, okay. Get the- okay well well really let's let's start with the pandemic i mean that's that's what's in everybody's mind right now uh so we'll start with the pandemic and the need for several organizations to deploy a remote workforce at work speed uh you know we you know when the onset when the pandemic onset you know we all heard about uh, Operation Warp Speed and, and, and how the federal government was, was trying to get the vaccines created uh, in, in, in such a short time frame. And it was unprecedented. Well, when the pandemic occurred, there were so many unknowns with COVID-19 that employees either did not want to be exposed in the work environment or they were already getting sick. And I really don't think anyone thought the pandemic would also drag out as long as it has. And just when we all thought things were coming becoming somewhat normalized, the Delta variant hits. Booster shots became a way to stay protected. Now the Omicron variant, slated to be exponentially more contagious than Delta, is running rampant. Uh, I read a headline actually the other day that stated there's an expectation, get this, an expectation that 80% of the population of Florida is expected to become infected. So the remote workforce has transitioned from a short-term stopgap to a long-term solution. So the ability to deploy a large workforce uh, so quickly, I mean, it takes a lot of teamwork. Everyone has to pull together. Everyone has to communicate openly and support must come from every level. From a security and a productivity perspective, several items have to be taken into consideration. So when when you're looking to take your workforce outside your brick and mortar, you have to think about your data flow. What data does an employee work with? What do they have access to? How is that data being protected? I mean, again, they're outside the brick and mortar, so you're taking them outside of the environment you've been working to secure. You also have to think about their home bandwidth. What is the requirement by whatever program or department they're working for? Has their bandwidth been tested? Has it been tested for speed? Has it been tested for latency? Also, do they have sufficient work tools? Does the employee have an adequate workstation, monitor, headset, phone? If they don't, Well, does the company provide the equipment for them? BYOD or bring your own device security also may come into play if the employee does in fact provide their own equipment. Is BYOD a factor if the employee has access to protected information? This is an employee's personal system. So are they going to allow you to lock it down and secure it in such a way as to limit the potential for a data breach or a data loss? So, you know, These companies, we all had to write new procedures around remote deployment, and it was a challenge. We had to define strict security standards around those procedures. Some organizations actually survived this, but a lot did not. A A lot of contact centers actually had to shut down. Some contact centers actually were able to take a bad situation and turn it into an opportunity. That's what we tried to do. So footprint expansion is an example of that. If you could find a way to effectively deploy a large remote workforce in record time while maintaining high levels of productivity. And that's a big ask. That's a big ask in security, especially. But if you're able to do it, you're no longer limited by the size of your brick and mortar footprint. So that's one of the big challenges that uh, is facing contact centers. And it's it's still a challenge. Another one 
Another one that, that, that's, that's really current now is keeping up with the changing legislative mandates that are occurring around data privacy. I mean, we're all currently witnessing an unprecedented level of data privacy laws that are being enacted. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but it, it all started with the European Union coming out with what they called the General Data Protection Regulation, the GDPR. So the GDPR has now created this cascading effect, whereas we're seeing a renewed movement regarding data privacy legislation. Well, this in itself creates a significant challenge for organizations to keep up with the growing number of regulations and increasingly complex legislation. Currently, there's no true federal data standard or, or there's no true standard around data privacy. So when GDPR was enacted, several individual states, and we'll start with California. If you guys remember, California came out with the CCPA that, that, that became live in uh, uh, 20, uh, 2020. So, they, so, so other states began enacting their own privacy laws in the absence of federal legislation. So the issue is that instead of understanding and keeping up with a set of guidelines that are federally mandated, we now have to comprehend and adhere to multiple laws that differ from one state to the next. And this is a formidable undertaking for any organization. And to top that off, some states are enacting a private, uh, they're, they're enacting a private right of action. So I don't know, do you guys remember, Melissa, do you remember when they came out with the DNC legislation? I don't remember that. Well, DNC oh, the, legislation, that, that was do not, that was the do not call legislation. I do, I do. Right. Well, yeah, the DNC, you get, get placed on the DNC list and people couldn't call you anymore. Right. And, and then all of a sudden the FTC starts going after several of the contact centers and saying, you're, you're not, you're not following the, the federally mandated guidelines for right. DNC. Okay. But uh, with with the, with with this this these new laws that these states are coming out they're now they're now they now have a private right of action. So what happened with the DNC law is you had you had you did have people out there that were actually maliciously trying to trap contact centers and, and get them to call them when they weren't supposed to. So so they, there was they they found several incidents where people were trying to trap contact centers. So the, the problem with private right of action, especially if every single state starts mandating their own data privacy laws, is private right of action allows an individual to sue a company. So if I think you've done something that you should not have done with my data, which, which you know, there are malicious actors out there, don't get me wrong, but it will allow all the individuals to sue, you know, not only to be uh, company be sued at the federal level, but to be sued with with the individual as well. So private right of action has that. So so the the problem here is this can create frivolous lawsuits where some of these people may attempt to trap an organization that's actually trying to do the right thing, which we did see with a lot of the DNC legislation that's out there. So and again, I'm not saying that there's not bad actors out there because we all know there are, but. Yeah. But at this point, we expect the judges to be able to differentiate from organizations that are blatantly breaking the law as opposed to those that are making their best effort to follow legislation. So basically, that, that's a primary challenge is keeping up with all of these legislative mandates around data privacy, especially now that all of the states, with, with, with lack of federal legislation, all of the states are individually going and creating their, creating their own. So, so, so that's a challenge. And then I would say the third challenge, third challenge is really a big one. <laughs> the third challenge is, is 
all the tools and software programs that are in use at the contact center is keeping up with the ongoing vulnerabilities and time, timely remediation. So the thing is, cyber criminals, or you know, we'll call them malicious actors, cyber criminals, they're constantly evolving their approach. And right now, the number one attack avenue for a contact center, or actually the number one attack avenue period in cybercrime today is attacking vulnerabilities, attacking known vulnerabilities. So attacking system and software vulnerabilities, that's a preferred method of the cyber criminal to infiltrate and wreak havoc on a company's systems and data. So to combat the consistent threat, organizations have to always stay several steps ahead of the cyber criminal. And the cyber criminal, I mean, that's their job. You know, cyber crime today, and this is a statistic, I think you've probably heard me talk about several times, but cyber crime today has actually dwarfed, I mean, absolutely dwarfed the worldwide trade of illegal drugs in the amount of funds that are in play. That's so, so Yeah, so, so, so it's, it's the number one criminal activity out there today. So to combat the consistent threat, again, organizations, we have to say several steps ahead of these cyber criminals all the time. That's not a simple undertaking. Security teams are faced with a daunting task of not only understanding the multiple avenues of attack, but where every single vulnerability lies within an organization. These vulnerabilities, and they, they can be internal, they can be external, they come in multiple forms, they can be in systems, they can be in software tools, process flows, third-party resources, uninformed users, the list goes on and on. So, so, so systems and software, they have to be scanned. They have to be penetration. The penetration tests have to ensure there's no vulnerabilities. CVEs must be kept up with at all times. Well, what is a CVE? Well, in short, a CVE stands for Common Vulnerabilities and Exposures. The goal of the CVE program is to identify, define, and catalog publicly disclosed cybersecurity vulnerabilities. So there's a published catalog of all, all known vulnerabilities, okay? So, so, what, so what that says is all of the known vulnerabilities that are out there, there is a published catalog that basically shows us, hey guys, here are all the vulnerabilities that you need to look at. Here's what you need to go patch. So if you have any systems that are called out in these CVEs, you need to go look at them. You need to scan them. You need to patch them, okay? So here's the ironic piece of that. The ironic piece of that is cyber criminals use that exact same information to attack an organization. Okay. They, they, look, at, they look at these vulnerabilities that are published, say, so they go out and they look for these vulnerabilities at these organizations to see if they've been patched or not. And if they haven't been patched, guess what? Cyber criminal knows exactly how to strike. How often do you patch, I mean, like, I know eTech has a little over 3,000 employees, and I know for our listeners out there, you may um, you may be a part of eTech, so this is important to know, or you may run your own call center or work for different call centers or just a different institution in general. So we have about 3,000 employees. I mean, there's, I'll go back to the privacy right to action later, but these CBEs, like how many people, Ronnie, on your team, does it take like, 900 of 3,000 employee call center to be running security and paying attention to all this stuff? Like, what do you do? Well, th that's a really good question. And and, and the, 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 the correct answer to that, and the one I'm going to give you is every every single employee at the company's in security. 
And, and, and you have to make sure that that mindset is there, that, that every single employee is looking as well. As far as patching, you have to have, you have to have a process to where, and, and there's software out there, and, and we use a software called Nessus, and there's vulnerability scanners. So we have to make sure that all of our systems, all of our software, everything is, is consistently scanned and, and reports back any vulnerability. And it's scanned against the CVE database. So it'll come back and report to us. If we scan a system, it'll come back and report to us, hey, this system, there's a CVE associated with, the vulnerability has been identified, it needs to be patched. Okay. So, so, so number one, it's making sure the entire company is, has a security mindset. And number two, it's ensuring that you have a process in place that all of your systems are touched according to a consistent time frame and that you identify any vulnerabilities. And if you can't patch them, you also have to look at the system itself and how critical it is to the organization. And is it one, if, if you can't patch it immediately, is it one that we can take offline? And if you can't take it offline, then immediate attention has to go from several people in the technology team, several people on the security team, several people on the development team. Whoever is responsible for maintenance and administration of that system has to be called in. Okay, so it's almost like an ER kind of, like deploy, the deployment on the sickest patient. Like we may yeah, have to- yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. How critical is it and, and how sick is it? You're absolutely right. Okay. Well, I hope everybody's taking notes because I am. I, I knew, listen, uh, some people say security is boring. I don't think so. And I, I believe it's the person who has passion about it. And Ronnie, you always make this topic um, so powerful. And I am just taking notes. And maybe when we go to a visual podcast, you guys can see all these notes. But I had no idea about private right of action. That is crazy. You know, I have my earlier career, uh, I was in collections and we followed the FDCPA. I can only imagine if it was state by state uh, guidelines on the, on the private right to action. That's insane. I didn't know about these CBEs. And you're right, it's kind of showing our, our, our um, I guess you could say our enemies, if you will, um, our game book. Is that right. kind of what? That's, that's exactly right. I mean, they, they, they know they have a path for attack method. And if you don't stay ahead of it, if, if you don't stay ahead of it and, 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 and completely aware of the vulnerabilities that are there, yeah, you can be exploited because mm -hmm. they know exactly what it is as well. And if you have not patched it, that's how they're going to attack you. Well, I appreciate that. That's, that's critical information. This is why we call you the expert. We, we need to. We need to know how to do that. And if you guys want more information, uh, feel free to reach out to us here at eTech Global Services. And I'm sure Ronnie and his team can can help um, consult and, and offer some guidance because um, obviously they're doing it from a day-to-day -day operations. All right, when we talk about strengthening the security protocols, Ronnie, um, how, how do um, we strengthen the security protocols in contact centers? Like, how do we do this? Well, you know, basically it, it all started, and, and I talked about this a little bit while ago, it all starts with awareness. Uh, you know, you have to have an awareness program so that all your employees become knowledgeable. Security should be one of the first considerations at the initial onset of any given project. It's no longer enough to simply conduct security awareness training. All departments must have a commitment and fortitude to follow through with what they have learned. 
There must be a maturity level around security, ensuring all teams are exercising due diligence. What should they be looking for? How should, how should someone engage leadership? How should they engage security in the, event, in the event they become aware of an incident, a possible breach, malware, fraudulent activity? As an organization, we've all heard that you're only as good as your weakest link. This has never been truer than in information security. It only takes one incident to bring an organization to its knees. And, and that's something that's important for everyone to know. When you talk about security, one incident can bring you down. One incident can close your business. One uneducated individual clicking on a malicious link or opening a file that propagates malware, someone going to an unauthorized site that contains malware. So you have to ensure that you have buy-in from the entire organization. You know, I don't know if you guys remember, let's take the target breach as an example. You remember a few, few years okay. ago, it was 2016, there was a target breach. Yes. The, the target breach was caused by a phishing email that deceived one employee at Target's third-party HVAC company. One employee. It allowed a, a malware program called Citadel, Trojan called Citadel, which was a variant of a Zeus banking Trojan. It allowed Citadel to be installed on company computers with that HVAC company. With this Trojan in place, now the Trojan is in place. So all the attackers have to do is wait until the malware offered them what they were looking for, which was actually system login credentials. So security standards have to be adopted at every level and everyone needs to understand. They need to understand what they have to do and how the things that the, the, the corrective action are the, what, what they're responsible for in regards to security at the organization. Everyone is on the security team. So the other thing is adopt governance standards. Uh, anyone can write policy. We all know that. You know, any, anyone can write policy. You can go out on the internet and you can find policy all day long and just stamp your name on it and move on. So anyone can write policy and anyone can define standards. But as an organization, do you have the right policies and standards in place? Not only do you have the right policies, do you know have to have the right policies and standards in place, but are they being followed? Corporate governance is a framework of rules relationships, systems, and processes within authority is exercised and controlled in corporations. It encompasses mechanisms by which companies and those that are in control are held accountable. So by adopting these governance standards, you can be held accountable to those standards by third-party audits. And I got to tell you, you know, when we're dealing with our clients, third-party audits, they carry a lot of, they carry a lot of water. Because, you know, it's, it's like, oh, yes, we're secure. Oh, yes, we're doing this. Oh, yes, we, we've got control of that. But these companies are looking at you and say, of course, you're going to say that. It's your company. Right. But if a third party comes out and says it, and they come out and said, yes, we've audited them. Yes, they're following policy. Yes, they're doing that. And here's the proof. That holds a lot of water. Some companies... You know, some companies won't even do business with you without adherence to some type of governance standard. You know, examples of this would like if you deal with credit card information, you adhere to PCI DSS. PCI DSS stands for Payment Card Industry Data Security Standards. If you deal with PHI or protected health information, that requires adherence to HIPAA, which is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. You know, so there, there's also general security governance controls that, that uh, companies can adhere to. 
Uh, ISO 27001 is one. SOC 2, type 1 and type 2, that's another one. That ensures if you, if you follow these governance standards and your company certifies on it and they're audited by third party, that shows all of your clients that you're doing the right thing, that you're you're aware of security and that you're, you have policies and standards in place to ensure protection of their information and their customers' information so they're more willing to do business with you because they know you have the proper controls in place. The kind other like, thing, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, it's kind of like our brand of approval, right? Yeah, you know, if we have this sticker that says uh, we've got SOC uh, ISO or SOC 1, Type 1 and 2, then you know that we've been run through the ringer, not internally, but externally as well. Right, right, exactly. In uh, another way to actually strengthen protocols, and, and, and this is important, is document everything. I mean, absolutely document everything. Understand your data streams. How does information flow throughout your organization at all the levels? <clears throat> Production data, your internal data, your client data, your employee data. Understand how it flows. Where does it reside? If there's no true understanding of how data is traveling through your organization and who has access to it, how could you possibly be protecting it? You know, you need to understand what data types are you dealing with? What controls do you have in place for each data type? Document all your information systems. Ensure proper maintenance of those systems. This includes general maintenance. It includes security patches. Ensure your security team understands the systems that are in place as well. Your security teams and your technology teams, they should be in constant communication because they absolutely depend on each other. They should be joined at the hip. And, and, and lastly, communication. That's key. Create open communication channels with each department in regards to security. You may even consider weekly or monthly meetings between security information technology, operational divisions, human resources. Ensure they are supporting each other. Be patient. You know, this is one thing I also have to tell a lot of companies because I see this a lot. Be patient with your company's security and security teams. You, you know, you want to ensure everything is done right. They want to ensure everything is done right. I've seen way too many times when there was pressure to push something through quickly without proper analysis. There has to be a balance between productivity and security. <clears throat> As I stated earlier, one small mistake can cost a company dearly. A single mistake can close an, can, can cause an entire organization to close. I have seen it. I have seen contact centers shut down because of a single mistake. Yeah, look at that target in 2016. One email opened. Yeah, well, it, well, target didn't shut down, but I, no, I've actually seen contact centers go under. The whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah, everybody was out of a job. And that statement is not meant to scare but simply to inform on how important security protocol it is. You know, I want to touch just briefly, I want to bring something out that you said about, you know, how do you strengthen security protocol? And I'm taking notes here just relentlessly. I love sitting at the table with you, Ronnie. You can come back anytime because this is, you know, sometimes we have lighthearted topics and, and security is, is a more in-depth topic, but it's our security. <clears throat> But you said this uh, when we talk about security protocols. You said training's not enough. Head knowledge is not enough anymore. We've got to we've got to do something with it. So I know from a personal security standpoint, you know, and I, I've told people this story before, a little personal story that my husband, you know, he's all about our our personal, our physical security here at our home. So 
I know what to do in my head, but he puts me through these what if scenarios. And what if someone charges in the front door? What if this happens? And that's kind of what you've done here at eTech. Like, what if you get an email? What should you do? You should forward it over to the security department. That's what you're saying is the head knowledge is not enough. We have to have what ifs. And I think that that is key in what your team has done um, for our organization and other organizations. You tell us what to do if this happens. Just knowing about it is not enough. Like you said, head knowledge, the training is not enough anymore. We've got to put some boots on the ground and show people exactly what to do in these instances. So right. I think, well, when we talk about, um, you know, e-tech and I know we've, we've managed to be very successful and I, because, because we have such warriors in the background, you and your teams that are, that are helping us and you created a culture that all of us work for security. Um, it makes me just want to delete all my emails. And do I have permission to do that, Ronnie? Can I just hit the delete button and delete all my emails? Well, I, I don't know that, I don't know that you, I don't know that you need to be that extreme, but, <laughs> but, but, but I can tell you, I, you know, and, and you, you guys see this in the blogs and the, the briefs that we send out you do have to be cautious because that you know that's a favorite attack method uh, of a cyber criminal is is, is email and yeah. it's it, and it's called phishing. I mean they'll they'll send an email and they'll they'll try to get you to either open a file that they've attached uh, or they'll try to get you uh, to click on an embedded link and and it's invariably going to send you somewhere that has malware or it's going to download malware on your device. So uh, it, it's it's definitely important to be knowledgeable about uh, about those things and and also to your point to understand what should you do if it occurs because it's going to occur so yeah. what should you do if it does and i'm noticing it more on our cellular devices a lot of us are working from home and we're using our cellular device as our laptop if you will so i'm starting to see a lot more text messages that are probably uh malware you know just some some phishing uh, uh attempts on text messaging and those types of things where they want you to open them up. And I guess in turn, it does the same thing on our cell phones, Ronnie. If we open up a message that we're not sure about, it'll install malware on our cell phones. Oh yes, it sure can. Okay. All That's right. Well, it's, you know, we, we talked about, you know, the vulnerability patching and, and, you know, make sure systems are updated and maintained. And you'll see that where, uh, you know, you'll, you'll, when you put your phone on the charge or something, it'll say there's a new update available. Yeah. That's usually what they're doing. They, they've they patched some things. Okay. E good. Either for functionality or for security. Okay. Well, the, la the last question um, is, I know you kind of touched on this in some of your answers, but just specifically, how's eTech ensuring a secured contact center environment? Us specifically, what are we doing? Oh, wow, a lot. <laughs> Uh, well, as I stated previously, you know, it's important, you know, and it is, it's important to find a balance between productivity and security. In today's work environment, you simply cannot have one without the other. For instance, you can't simply ignore security standards and protocols because it seems inconvenient or hampers productivity. However, you also cannot just start locking everything down without taking impacts to pro productivity into consideration. There has to be a balance between the two. So we have to think about what is the purpose of the organization and what tools are needed by the employees at each level? Are workflows and processes fully documented? What are the impacts to data at rest and in transit? Client data, corporate data, employee data. So here at eTech, what we do is we begin with an understanding of the environment, the tools, the processes, and then we work toward a layered security model. So how do we protect at the outer perimeter? 
How do we protect internally? What is done to ensure data does not go into the wrong hands? Well, we created this layered approach to ensure several levels of protection are in place. So, you know, some of the things we've done is we've partnered with an industry-leading organization for our perimeter firewall systems. That's protection at our edge. We also have anti-malware systems in place. They're updated in real time. We perform daily vulnerability scans on all critical systems, and you heard me talk about the vulnerabilities earlier. We perform <laughs> daily vulnerability scans on all of our critical systems, and we ensure remediation is timely and it follows a defined standard. We perform internal pen testing on all of our applications that we use within the organization. We submit to uh, monthly vulnerability scans by a third-party ASV and ensure remediation is timely. And I'll go back to, again, it's one thing to say you do it, but when the third party does it and says you're golden, that carries a lot of weight. Right. We also, we also have annual penetration testing performed by a third party audit entity. We, you know, and here, here's the big one, and this is one of my, uh, one of my favorites, segmentation of workflow. What programs is that? Well, what is programs and, I'm sorry, go ahead. I said, what is segmentation of workflow? Segmentation of workflow. Okay, well, let's look at it from the contact center perspective. You know, you have different campaigns and programs and campaigns, and then you have different departments. Yeah. Okay, so let's your leadership training. Leadership training is a department. What if you become compromised something that you should not have done, and, and maybe not even, not, you know, most likely not intentional, but you clicked on something because you thought it was legitimate and all of a sudden, boom, you're exposed. Okay. Well, we have layers of protection. So so one of those things would be, you know, that awareness, you know, so, so that you don't fall victim. But some of these are so good and you've seen them. Some of them are so good that people fall victim to it. So you click on something you should not have clicked on. Well, we have anti-malware. Well, let's say this thing is so good that it gets past our anti-malware and it starts propagating, okay? And that's, the, those are called, you know, like viruses called worms. It, it's, they'll start propagating throughout your network. And that's one of the things that takes companies down. And, and you know, we had a, 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 an incident with one of our, one of our major clients. Uh, several of their vendors, and we were a vendor as well, several of their vendors went down for this exact reason. Someone at the company did something they were not supposed to do and it propagated throughout the entire organization. They had to go offline completely. So what we've done at eTech is we've created a segmentation of workflow. We've taken every program and every department, and we created their own, what's called a virtual local area network, a VLAN. So in the event of that type of incident, there's no cross-contamination with other programs or departments. We can contain it. Okay. And that, so that's what, that's what segmentation of workflow is. We also, fully document all of our data flows and security controls, and we audit them continuously. ETEC, e and I don't even know if you know this, ETEC has a full team of certified ISO auditors on staff. That they, they work for us. Their primary purpose is to audit all the controls for every program and every department, and they work with each one on timely remediation. We, we also use policy of least privilege. So, Basically, policy of least privilege means we provide the access according to the job requirement. We use multi-factor authentication to access critical systems or protected information. 
We have an internal SOC in place to monitor all traffic. A SOC, what is a SOC? A SOC is a security operations center. This is a group of individuals sitting there monitoring network traffic, looking for anomalous activity. We also employ an external SOC, that third party again I was talking about. We, in, we employ an external SOC to monitor all ingress and egress traffic on our network as well. We also use whitelists to, to uh, ensure that email and internet access is only that access that is needed for job requirement. But the other thing, and, and uh, the other thing regarding security at the contact center environment that we have to think about now is what about the remote worker? What about that remote workstation? What about those people that are outside our brick and mortar? So with those, we have to make sure they have anti-malware installed and it's completely updated. We also have to use a secure VPN tunnel. We make sure that we have a secure login client that scans on each login for vulnerabilities and malware signatures and auto updates prior to allowing system access. And that's one thing that I thought was really cool that we did. When we bring a new employee on, and they're remote or we deploy someone remotely we have a login they, they there's a login client when they log in when they try to log in and it hits our tries to hit our network the very first thing it does is it scans their system it looks for malware it looks for vulnerabilities if it finds anything it goes out there and auto patches their system before it will let them access our network Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. We also have all the systems set up for remote lock and remote wipe. So if a system does become compromised or becomes stolen or whatever the case may be, we can actually lock it and we can completely wipe it remotely. Okay. The other thing, we only, we only allow required software to be installed on the system. Uh, we don't provide the end user administrator accounts. We don't give them access to BIOS or other controls that can be exploited. We lock out USB and external drive systems, uh, and we only allow user input devices on workstation machines associated with the programs. And then the other thing is physical security. We have to think about physical security as well. You know, we've been talking a lot about logical security, but what about physical security? You know, what about somebody trying to get into the center that should not be there? Yeah. So. So, so we have badge access systems in place at every contact center to ensure there's no unauthorized access. Some of our centers even use biometrics. Secure locations within our centers also require secondary badge access. All visitors to eTech are required to sign into a system that announces them to the party they're on site to see. All visitors have to wear a visitor's badge. They must be escorted while they're on site. And the thing that we do that's a little bit different from some of the others we actually have security cameras in every center placed in strategic locations. These cameras are placed throughout each facility. We actually monitor our cameras 24-7, 365. So every camera in our contact center, there's someone on the other side of that camera watching and alerting to activity that appears malicious or somebody's doing something they should not do. And the reason that you know we really like that is couple of things. Number one, I think our, our our employees feel more protected. You know, they feel like, hey, Big Brother's always watching too, because I feel protected. So if somebody tries to accost me or somebody tries to do something, somebody's watching it. Somebody can alert to it. Yeah. This is also, you know, the security of our receptionist area. You know, we have 
that access, that outside door, then the receptionist is sitting in that receptionist area by herself. And then behind her, you have the badge access to get into the center. Well, there's, a ca there's cameras out there and we have somebody on those cameras 24 seven, 365 watching. So that receptionist is never alone either. Somebody's always watching. And what what kind of uh, what kind of employee do you have watching? Is that just like um, just an entry level position or like a flowchart to what to do, what they see happening? Like, give me a little insight into that person watching. No, no, it's not entry level. We actually and these are individuals that have actually been in security, and okay. most most of most of them are highly certified as well. And we actually call that team SPOC, uh, Security and Process Operations Center. So, um, and, and there's several of them. And eTech is actually, you know, oddly enough, we've been so successful with monitoring that we're actually we're actually outsourcing uh, the spot team as well. Uh, we have other companies that we're monitoring their camera system. That's 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 wow. Right, and and but they but they're, they're they, these are very certified, highly certified individuals. And to your point, yeah, they do have process flows. They understand who to communicate with, when to communicate, how to communicate and what to look for. Thank you but, for that. Yeah, but some of the other things, you know, we do at eTech, you know, outside of that is, you know, we, we try to create as much awareness as we can, you know, security blogs, security alerts, briefs, newsletters, open discussions, formal training. Uh, you know, you guys, you know, we'll send out a security alert when we're, you know, when we uh, know that there's been a breach, a large breach, or, or something's occurring, or there's been a vulnerability, it's been, even a vulnerability's been identified by the latest iPhone update. We'll send out an alert to the company and say, hey, be alert. You know, this is this is a notification we just got. You know, Apple just sent out a, a, an alert saying uh, that um, um, their, uh, uh, their latest uh, software update has vulnerabilities. Here's what they are and you need to update to this level or you need to back it off to this level. And we'll send that out to everybody so that everybody's in, you know, in the knowledge or in the know. Uh, that's that's what I appreciate, is how you guys just uh, are giving us real time information. That we definitely try. But you know, the big thing is, is you know, big thing is really collaboration with the internal and external partners and stakeholders and creating those open communication channels. You know, the other thing is, you know, ETEC, we love to work with the client. We love to work with them on security controls and mutual support as well. You know, they talk, you know, we talk to them about, hey, do you see things that we could be doing better? And then we then we actually have clients coming to us. I was on the phone with one of our clients the other day saying, you know, and they were asking us, well, what what do you see us? What, what do you see with what we're doing that we could be doing better, that we could be doing better for better security? And we gave them that information and they responded back and said, oh man, this is this is fantastic. Can you get on the call with our security team and talk to them? And we're like, absolutely we can. And it's about that mutual respect and that mutual partnership. You know, the other thing that we do is we adhere to and we, we do certify, ETEC certified with several controlled governance standards. And you heard me talk about that earlier. And so, you know, ETEC is, we certify with ISO 2701, PCI DSS, HIPAA, SOC 2 Type 1, going after Type 2. So, so we we have those governance controls in there as well that we certify against so that we can tell everyone, hey, we're, we're doing the right thing. And we're audited by these governance parties that, that basically come back and certify and say, yes, they're doing the right thing. That, and, and again, that, 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 that holds a lot of water. Uh, and last, really last, but certainly not least, we ensure everyone in the organization understands that they are a key part of the security team because 
at the end of the day, everyone is responsible for security. And you heard me talk about it earlier. You know, it's that one person in the company that does something they should not do that can cause a lot of problems. So it's important that everyone understands that they're responsible for security. Therefore, everyone, everyone in the company is on the security team. Absolutely. Well, I know I'm on the security team, so I am I'm diligently taking notes here. And I appreciate you sitting at the table with us today, Ronnie. And just to kind of wrap this up, I have so many key learnings, as I always do. And you're so passionate about this topic. And you need somebody with your passion that um, is protecting us. So if you haven't heard it today, thank you. Thank you for what you do and for what your team does. I know that we and many of our listeners definitely appreciate it, both internally and externally. So um, this is is for our listeners and for you too, Ronnie. Anytime you you read a book or you learn something new or you sit at this leadership table and we have just a host of different type of topics that we talk about at this leadership table. And I just want to challenge you and our listeners to do the same thing. Um, there's, There's three questions I think you should ask yourself. What does it say? So we've heard what Ronnie had to say about security today, right? Then you ask yourself the second question. What does it mean? What does it mean for me personally? What does it mean for me um, in my company, uh, the company I own or the company I work for? So anytime you get education, ask yourself the first question, what does it say? The second question is, what does it mean? And that's why we're at this leadership table to break that down, the meaning of it. And Ronnie, you've done that so wonderful today. But the third question is what I think people miss. And I think where Ronnie has really hit home today is the mistake that we make in security. And it's a mistake, honestly, that we make in leadership development or uh, in any topic, really. The question is, what do I do? Security is an action word. And you have to do something with your knowledge. Just like Ronnie said, just knowing it's not enough anymore. You actually have to do something with that knowledge. And I appreciate you challenging us to do something with that knowledge. What does it say? What does it mean? What do I do? Thank you, podcaster, for being on today. All things security. Ronnie, would you come back and sit at the table with us again? Absolutely. Anytime. We would, lo- we would love to have you back. Maybe we'll do a, a fun one on a, on a Sasquatch hunting or we'll talk about security uh, again. But either one, I would be happy to sit down at the table with you. Thank you for your time. Thanks, podcast listeners. And just keep uh, making a remarkable difference in the lives that you touch each and every day. And until next time, we'll see you at the leadership table. Have a good day.